Welcome to Waypoint Church Online. Uh, whether you're connecting up to us through podcast or YouTube or church online, we're just really excited that you're joining us. Um, I hope your week's uh, been uh, good. Um, as lockdown sort of restrictions lift a little bit, it's really nice to be able to see some people face to face. If I'm really honest, I'm waiting for the hairdresser because um, Kathy keeps offering to cut my hair. So I'm, I'm deliberating between do I go hippie? I mean, feedback really helpful. Um, but what is exciting is that people are still connecting. You know, we might not be able to gather as we normally do, but we are able to gather online and we're able to do face-to-face a little bit more and to remind ourselves that the church is about us, is about the people. And so many folks are connecting and I want to keep cheering you on and thanking you for doing that. Thank you for the encouragements and the care and the actions that people are doing. Uh, it makes a massive difference. Thank you for those who continue to, to give, actually give financially as well. I want to especially just thank you for that. Um, besides helping with the, the hub work and just feeding so many families in our area, uh, your regular giving also helps us to continue to, to do a whole bunch of things as a church. It helps us to keep our building open and, and you know that building will be open again and we'll be seeing greater things, um, but we still have a mortgage to pay, but you guys are giving and doing that and God has some great things in store for us still. We also as a church are continuing to do resources like this. And we are still committed to our partners around the world, for we are partners with different organizations and people who are sharing God's love in practical ways, in many different ways. One of the charities that we are are partnered with is an organization called Open Doors. And uh, we have a video from Emma, one of our friends there, just to share some of the work that Open Doors um, are doing. So so watch and uh, listen. I'm Emma, I'm part of the team at Open Doors, and it's a joy to be with you today. Over the past few weeks, pretty much the whole world has got a taste of what it's like to live in isolation, to live under restriction. We too, as the church, we've been scattered, dispersed, forced to meet in our homes. And yet for millions and millions of Christians around the world, those most persecuted for following Jesus, this is nothing new. It's in this context that they do life, that they follow Jesus, and they follow him no matter the cost. The millions of Christian communities in places like India, Bangladesh, Syria and parts of West Africa, and I could go on, lockdown is having a devastating effect. Before, they were facing poverty, they were facing extreme persecution, and now the third P, the global pandemic. Even before coronavirus, these communities were often isolated, despised and rejected, and now many are facing starvation. Take a listen to this desperate, phone call from India. अच्छा क्या काम करते हैं मैं यही बिहारी सब्जी उब्जी में जाता तो भी बंद है अच्छा आपके घर में कितने लोग हैं परिवार में मैं तो है आठ परिवार अच्छा 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 हां बहुत तोखा है आपके पास अभी राशन है नहीं नहीं राशन रहता तो मैं पास्टर को फोन ही करता बहुत औखा है चलिए ठीक है बहन हम आपके लिए प्रार्थना करते हैं और मैं कोशिश करता हूं कि क्या हो सकता कल हम आपके लिए कुछ इंतजाम करेंगे ठीक है ठीक है कोई दूसरा लोग राशन लेके नहीं पहुंचे आपके पास कोई नहीं पहुंचा है राशन लेके कोई नहीं सारे जुगिए इधर दे देता है मेरे मोहल्ले नहीं आता है अच्छा आपके मोहल्ले में क्यों नहीं आता है कोई नहीं आता है कोई नहीं मेरे मेरे बेरे के लोग तरस रहा है रोटी बेगर ओहो कितना घर होगा आपके उधर 
इधर नौ 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 घर आएगा नौ जुग्गी है सब विश्वासी है सब विश्वासी है अच्छा अच्छा It's amazing just what people are able to do, what the church is able to do. And we as a church, as a church family are supporting. Let's pray for them as well right now and pray. So let's just pause. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that, that your family spreads across the world. Father, I thank you just as we're able to help people on our doorstep. There are others who've been called and are serving and are making a difference. Father, I thank you that that you are God who wants to change lives and you care for practical needs and you care for spiritual needs because you care for all of us. Father, I pray for the people at Open Doors. I pray for other organizations that are, are standing and helping people under incredible tough situations who now are also dealing with uh, this pandemic and the restrictions and the, the horrors that are, are associated with this. Father, we stand with them, we pray for your kingdom to come. And uh, Father, I just pray for more of your blessing upon them. Father, I also just begin to pray for us as well. Father, as we, we continue to give and to serve, we also want to be a community that worships and lifts our eyes to you and also is open to you. Father, I pray as we, we worship and as we look through your word, I pray that our hearts may be open to you. God, that you'll continue to change us. You'll continue to transform us. And that we may continue to give our lives to you and open ourselves up more to the glory of God. The God who saves, who has saved, who does and who will save. So come and dwell with us now, God. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you are part of our wider church family, you'll know that you regularly get emails with uh, worship song lists. Because it's so important to, to worship. Now, you don't have to follow our, our playlists. What we are encouraging you to do is whether you want to pause and worship now or at the end of this uh, this video to, to worship, it's just so important to stop and to lift our eyes into worship. So can I encourage you to, to make that part of your routine of giving glory to God? Today, we are finishing off our series uh, we've entitled Living in Plan B. We're looking through the book of Daniel, the first few chapters, and identifying some some truths that, that come from these readings, because there, there's some guys who are um, in plan B. They're torn apart from where they lived and they're placed into a situation that they did not choose. And yet we find that their faith didn't just survive, it thrived. If you've missed some of our previous chapters, I want to encourage you to uh, catch up on YouTube or podcasts and learn those lessons because they're so valuable, not just while we are in lockdown, but for in life in general, when we're finding ourselves facing plan B and how we live there. But today we jump into chapter six, probably the most famous story of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, I've asked Catherine Clarkson, one of our church members who's serving God in South Africa to give our reading. So Daniel chapter six, 
starting from verse 1. Daniel in the Den of Lions It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty... Issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered, in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands, in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. 
They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. I wonder when the first time that you heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den. I remember hearing it when I was a kid and um, the way it was presented to me was a really high tech thing called flanograph. Now, if you're if you're younger than me, in fact, probably if you're older than me, you're going flannel what? And it was it was really cool stuff. They stuck it on this board and they told the story. Now, you may have may actually know the story that way, or you may know it another way. But one of the the challenges uh, of these familiar stories uh, of Daniel and the Lion's Den is that we can squeeze it down to almost a a kid's truth that Daniel trusted God and the lions didn't eat him. Yay! And we move on. But actually, the story has some, some richer things in there, some more things that teach us and can help us how to live in plan B. So, so let's just stop and dig into the story a little bit. So I want you to go back to your first encounter of D- Daniel in the lion's den, whether it's flannograft or, or chalk drawings, if you're really old, or, or maybe a high tech a cartoon or something like that. OK, so but I want you to, to picture the story. So I want you to picture in the den and you've got some lions looking hungry because they were. And you've got Daniel. Daniel probably in a I'm trusting you pose, however that might look like. So I want you to imagine that in your head. And now I want you to do something here. What I want you to do is put an age on Daniel. How old is that person in the I trust you pose? How old is he? Now, I'm not going to wait for you to tell me because that would be a long wait. Um, But how old is he? I think many folks will picture him maybe 30 or in his 40s, probably with a long, dark beard, maybe a little bit bold. I I don't know. But the truth was, is he was in his 80s because this is chapter six. He's under his third king. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, then Belshazzar and and now Darius. It's his third king. It's, It's 60 years since chapter one. I know it feels like a long series, but it's been 60 years since then. And what we have is we have Daniel, who's in his 80s, and yet he's still a man of vibrant faith. And this is where we actually find our our fifth truth of how to, to not just survive, of how to thrive and live in plan B. And the truth is this. Keep investing in your faith. So often when we find ourselves in plan B, in a, in a situation that we wouldn't choose or we don't like, it is our, our vision is always set on when it ends. So we're asking God, will you finish this? God, will you take me out of this? Will you lift it? Will it change? And when God doesn't answer it in the way that we wish he does, maybe when it doesn't end, perhaps it might even get worse. Now, I'm not just talking about the lockdown never lifting. It will eventually But what happens when um, your health, instead of getting better, it gets worse? Relationships, instead of of resolving, they they get more tense. Or finances get get more sparse. Or work gets more complicated. When we're in plan B and it gets worse, it's so easy to to begin to question God and to go, well, God, 
I guess God isn't going to be involved. I prayed, I asked, he's not involved. And, and our, our faith level, instead of increasing as it goes down, we go, well, the glory days of God doing stuff was way back then. Now, well, maybe not so. And, and we sort of get this new normal and we just plod on and we're going, well, you know, God's there. But instead of increasing, it, it sort of tapers off. Daniel, at the age of 80 plus, what he has, he's known some great things of God in the past, but what we find him here is his faith is still as vibrant and, and clear and passionate as it was in Daniel chapter 1. He's still in plan B. He's still in exile. He still has not um, been returned to Jerusalem. He is still a eunuch. He is still facing things that he would not have chosen. And yet instead of being grumbly, disillusioned with God, distant from God, he is right there. And trusting God to such an extent that when he faces the lion's den, his faith is as strong, if not stronger than it was in chapter one. Why? Because he kept investing in his faith. And I want to pull up four things from this because Daniel, we know Daniel the lion's den, great truth of God's uh, God saving him. But there's four lessons in here that can help us to thrive in plan B. The first one is this, what Daniel did to keep that faith growing is he did this, is he daily connected with God. In Daniel chapter one, we, we hear these, these young guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there are others as well. They're pulled from Jerusalem and they, they were pushed into the assimilation machine of Babylon. Babylon wanted to teach them and educate them of everything Babylonian. It was a real machine. And in the midst of that machine, it, that they, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wanted to keep their faith vibrant and their faith strong. Uh, they, they couldn't refuse to be educated. But what they did was something quite radical. They said, instead of eating all the rich food of the king, we're going to go straight to a veg and water diet. Uh, and they said, test us on this. And, and they did it. They did. They did just on veg and water. Now, this wasn't a protest vote or a shout out to veggies. What it was, it was a it was a clear discipline to help them connect with God. That three times a day, every time they ate, they stopped and said, God, we're, we're taking all this stuff in. The circumstances around us are pushing us in, but we are still yours. Our heart is still yours. God, we want you to be central. Daniel, 60 plus years later, we find him praying three times a day. He was eating better food, by the way. Uh, chapter 10, verse 3, it says he's eating richer food. But here in chapter 6, he has this new spiritual discipline or another spiritual discipline uh, of praying three times a day, of stopping and giving thanks to God and connecting with God. That the reason he did this is because he understood that having that personal discipline, it helped build his faith. During lockdown, I'm sure like me and most of us were daily going out, leaving the house for a walk, part to just to get out of the house, um, but partly just to keep that exercise I've heard so many people say that they've really appreciated stepping out of the, the normal pressure of life and getting that daily exercise that they're saying, even when lockdown lifts, they still want to regularly do that. Why? Because good habits impact us. This is what Daniel knew, is that good practice, that discipline of spending time with God, of lifting his eyes, of connecting in, it actually changes us. 
Daniel was convinced that God was the source. He knew that God was the the ultimate God, the power source. He was the one who brought stability there. He knew that God was the one who who gave them wisdom in chapter one. God was the one who helped interpret the dream in chapter two. God was the one who saved Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the fiery furnace in chapter three. God was the one who interpreted the dream in chapter four. God was the one who gave the interpretation of the writing on the wall in chapter five. God was the source. He is the one that you need to keep connected with. And Daniel did not take his eyes off that. Three times a day, he stopped and connected. The reason I'm pushing this really hard is because it's so easy to find ourselves doing every other day with Jesus, doing every weekend with Jesus, doing every other weekend. We get on with life and we go, oh, I just must pray. I must do this. The way that Daniel was in his 80s, a man of faith, and don't know about you, but I want to grow stronger like him, is he daily disciplined himself to connect with God. I, I wonder, do you have some habits in your life where you just daily connect with God, where you pray, maybe read God's word, spend some time in worship or meditate? This isn't about, oh, I've got to do that. This is about understanding that God is the power source. God is the one who who lifts. God is the way that we're going to survive plan B. So what disciplines can you put, even from today, that you just put in place that you regularly get that rhythm because it will make a difference? Daniel is the proof of that. The second thing that Daniel did is he, he understood that application matters. Let me explain this a little bit. So, so Daniel was doing well and um, there's a bunch of folks who were jealous and they didn't want him to do well. And they ganged up and they started colluding. There's a real sinister sort of sense to the Hebrew in there. And what they want to do is they wanted to take Daniel out. So they decide the best way to take Daniel out is let's dig some dirt on him and we'll expose him and, and what he's done and, and prove that he's a really bad guy. Just press pause for a moment. Sorry, I mean, don't press pause or I'm just going to freeze like that. Press pause in our minds. Okay. Uh, imagine this. Uh, imagine if I told you that a couple of national newspapers were going to pursue you. They're going to look at your history, what you've done, what you've said, your school lives. Your, uh, um, they're going to have a spy cams on you. They're going to tap your phones. They're going to look at how you speak. They're going to ba- basically want to find some dirt on you. And they're going to go all out to find some dirt on you. And they're going to put that as the headline. How would you feel about that? Would you be going, go for it? Or would you be going, okay, that's going to be an interesting morning seeing those headlines. Daniel's headline, verse four, they could find nothing against him, which is remarkable because he was really high up. He had loads of responsibility and yet they could find nothing against him. The reason why is because Daniel understood that application matters. It's really important to spend time with God in prayer and reading and meditation and worship. These are really good spiritual disciplines that gives us roots into God. But faith isn't just about putting roots down and, and spending time with God. It's about applying those values of God into our everyday lives, doing the, ensuring the truths of God impact how we work, how we speak, how we forgive, how honest we are, that our words, when we say one thing to one person, that they are still the same words to another. These are all about application. Because what can so easily happen in plan B is we we say we do one thing, and then we're a bit more selective. Well, I don't always tell the truth. Well, I sort of agree with that, and I sort of handle my money like that. 
is if we only apply some of it, what happens is, is it shakes our integrity, is our stability. When the storms come, instead of standing firm, is we shake and fall. Jesus told that story in Matthew 7 of, of two builders um, who built houses, one who built a house on sand and one who built a house on the rock. And when the storm of life came, Daniel 6 is a storm, is instead of, <laughs> and what happened to Daniel is his house stood. Jesus says the one on the st- sand fell and the one on the stone stood firm. And Jesus says in chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, he said, the person who builds their lives on my words and my teachings, my values, is the one who builds their house on the rock. See, Daniel understood that application matters, about ensuring that God's truths actually impact his everyday life. That's how you keep investing in your faith. Not just spending time with God, essential, but making sure that it impacts all we do. The third thing is sort of a two-parter, really. The third thing is this, is Daniel understood, he remembered that he was in a battle. Chapter 6 kicks off that, that Daniel has now risen to a really high position. He's one of the three administrators over the whole empire. And he excelled himself so much, impressed King Darius so much, that Darius wanted to make him administrator over everything. I mean, really high position. Other administrators and satraps, they, they were not for it. They were really against him. So they started colluding and they tried to get a smear campaign that didn't work. So then what they did is they created a law that they knew would get him. The law was they went to Darius, played to Darius's ego a little bit. and said, Darius, everyone should pray to you first. And that would be really good. And Darius fell for that. What happened is Daniel goes, no, I can't pray to you first. In fact, I can't pray to you all, at all. Back in Daniel 3, something similar happened. Remember King Neb had a big statue and he said, everyone bow down to me first and then you can do the other God. This law was, no, 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 me only. And Daniel went, I can't do this, which his enemies knew. And Daniel found himself actually facing death as a result of that. I want to just to, to hang around that in a second. Now, Daniel knew there was a battle and I'll explain that in a second. But it's really important that we understand that that we too are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 says that we're in this battle. and Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers and authorities. There are forces around us that are seeking to stop us grow in faith, to stop our relationship with God uh, um, getting stronger, to, to part us from Jesus. There are forces around us that want to stop us. There is a battle going around and we need to be aware of that because if we're not aware of it, what we find is is that we can get pulled away without even realizing. Now, I need to be really clear here. Everything that goes wrong in our lives is not necessarily a spiritual battle. If you find yourself out driving and, and driving uh, and, and driving along and you see a little flashing white light behind you and you're going, oh, is that lightning or something? Not sure what that is. And then a couple of days later, you get this lovely letter through your door asking you to donate. In fact, no, insisting that you donate a big amount of money um, because of the privilege of your quick speed that you were driving a few days ago. I, I want to ensure you that is not a spiritual battle. That is not the enemy trying to get you. That's called speeding. Very different. What we find here is there are times, actually kind of often, when our enemy comes in and wants to stop us following God. 
This can come when actually we're doing well. Remember, Daniel was doing really well. He was actually living honorably. He was connecting with God, living this life of integrity and applying God's truth. And in the midst of that, the enemies gathered to take him out. And they did it. Now, we know that he, which we know that he survived and stuff. Remember, Daniel didn't know at that time. The enemies gathered and they took him out. And the truth is that we can find ourselves in situations like that as well. We're serving God, we're trying to honor God and do things well, and life can get worse. Life can suddenly feel like the enemy isn't just tackling us, the enemy has won. And in those points, we can feel, well, where's God? Has God abandoned me? And, and, and our faith can, is at jeopardy there if we're not careful. Because our faith can go, well, clearly God has abandoned me, and therefore I'll abandon God. It breaks my heart when I hear people doing that. Because the truth is, God has not abandoned us. The truth is, we are in a battle. Now, I said this is only part one. Uh, it's like a two-parter one. The truth is, remember we are in a battle. The second part is this. Remember we're in a battle and remember that God wins. Remember we're in a battle and that God wins. This is such a key point. And this is something that Daniel, he knew so powerfully that God wins because it, I'm not sure if you picked it up, but Daniel is so cool. He's a cool 80-year-old. Because what happens is he hears, he's doing really well and stuff. He hears this law that if you pray to another God, you will be killed. And his response, he doesn't panic. He doesn't run to King Darius. Darius, they stitched me up. I wasn't part of this. He doesn't plead his case. What he does on hearing that this death sentence is on him, he walks to his normal prayer place, which is a balcony so people can see. And he does his normal routine of connecting with God. He says, God, I thank you for who you are, for what you've done. God, I give you my life again because you have my life anyway. I also entrust with you the enemies. God, you are bigger than them. You're bigger than me. You're bigger than this situation. And I trust you. I mean, he is utterly convinced that God wins. So I, I want to be like that. So let me just clarify. I, I am utterly convinced that, that, that God has won. Jesus really came. Jesus' death and resurrection really changes everything. 100% convinced. But Daniel's faith was at such a depth, at such a richness, at such a, a, a concentrate, that when these storms came, he didn't even shake. He didn't panic. Not because of some arrogance, but because of his faith and confidence in God. It's fascinating to compare Daniel's reaction to King Darius's re reaction. Because if you haven't read through the scripture, notice when King Darius realized that, that he had been tricked and this law, this irrevocable law, meant that Daniel, Daniel was the one who was going to place in charge of everything. Basically, it was set up to stitch up Daniel, his friend. Darius, what does he do? Darius, he panics. It's Darius who goes, oh, no, this is terrible. It's Darius who tries every way to change the law and to, to change the situation and to, to have conversations and to move it. It's Darius who has a sleepless night, who doesn't have entertainment. He couldn't sleep that morning. He rushes down to the, the den, the lion's den, which is an incredible thing, because if you have a den full of lions and you throw someone in, what usually happens is they get eaten. But Darius is going, Daniel, has your God saved you? Is, was God strong enough? And Daniel says to him, my God wins. My God closed the mouths of the lions and my God saved me. Why? Because I'm innocent and I put my hope in him. 
It's an interesting contrast. If I'm honest, I think my faith often looks more like Darius's than Daniel's. It is I, I fret and I work through and I have sleepless nights and going, God, I do trust you, but God, I do trust you, but how? And, and yet Daniel was saying, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm bringing these to God, but I know that God has my back and my front and my future and my past. I want to be like Daniel when I grow up. In fact, I want to be like Daniel now. I'm not there yet. I've got a long way to go. But here's the cool thing. How do you get a faith like Daniel that has a faith that doesn't just survive in plan B, but thrives? Is you keep investing in your faith. You regularly connect with God. You understand that application is everything. You you remember that there is a battle so it doesn't throw you. And you remember that God wins. And as we invest, as we keep trusting God more, what happens is we thrive. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for the, the, the man of Daniel. I thank you for his faith. I thank you for his, his example. I thank you for just the incredible way that you used him and were with him and the things that we can learn today. Father, I want to pray that, that we might learn from him, that I might learn from him. Father, that I don't just admire the, this man of faith. Father, I don't just admire other men and women of faith around us who just day by day trust you and, and survive. Father, I, I want to be a person who thrives in faith, but I realize that requires me to take a step. That requires each of us to take a step. Father, for some of us who've just been slack in our daily time with you, Father, I pray that we'll that we won't just long to be closer to you, but we'll put something in place. Father, the application, Father, for those of us who are who, who say one thing and do something else, and maybe we're a different person at work than we are at home, uh, Father, I want to pray that, that you may help us with our integrity so that we may build on your rock. So when storms come and we know they come, that we thrive. And in that battle, God that we may keep our eyes fixed on you because you win. I thank you, Jesus, that you have won. The cross has done it all. I thank you, Jesus, that you are still in the business of changing things, of stepping in. I thank you that the enemy is defeated and we claim that and we need to know that more. Father, fill us, I pray. Challenge us, I pray. Lift us up, I pray, as we continue to invest in our faith. Amen. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us, for, for connecting with us. I, I want to encourage you, keep, keep investing. Keep living in plan B. God has plans. God is going to do some great things, but it's about God. So, so reach out, speak to someone. If you're on our church online, ask for prayer if you want. There's people here that would love to pray with you. If you're in, on a different medium, contact one of your small group, another friend. I want to, to encourage us to be people who grab hold of life and faith and go deeper and richer in God. Blessings to you all.